755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is real presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Welcome back. 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. With my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? How you doing, man? It's building a house is a lot of work. Um, kids. Yeah, I'm doing all right. You got your hammer and your saw and all that? No, just huh? making decisions. <laughs> your PVC pipe, all that? I'd rather be doing that than, than trying to make decisions on light fixtures with my life. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'd probably rather be preparing for October playoff baseball, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, watching them every year when they celebrate, you know, watching the team celebrates yeah. when I really miss it. You know, I think about when I see stuff from spring training, 45 days of redundance, you know, I don't I don't get too excited about that. But when you yeah. see them get and there's that light at the end of the tunnel and they're about to start playing big games, it really makes you miss it. This is the good time, man. And this yeah. is when the weather has changed. It's cooler. Yeah. It just feels like it. It's crazy how often the weather does change right before the postseason. Even in a place like Atlanta, you know, where it's so hot all summer. It's, uh, it feels like postseason here right now. Yeah. And I know it's going to feel like that in Milwaukee. You know, the leaves changing and all that. But uh, I don't know. This is uh, – I, I know the Braves – uh, it's ironic because this was the season when for so long people wondered if they were even going to get to the postseason, you know, because all the injuries and all that, and they didn't get over 500 until 109th game. But for some reason, I just feel like this team has a chance to go – I know last year they were only one win shy of the World Series, and that's going to be hard to repeat that, but – I like this team's chances just because the, the rotation is so good at the top, and I think that's the most important thing in a postseason is those first few starters that you have. And I just love having Charlie Morton and and Max Fried at the top and Ian Anderson pitching a lot better for them. If I'm the Braves, I'm I'm looking at that going, we got a chance to beat anybody with those with that group at the top. And then with the lineup. Oh yeah. People you know, people overlook the Braves, I think, somehow, but all you have to do is look at the RBI st- leaders in the NAL, it's unheard of. The Braves have one, two, and three, and it got tied for fourth in the RBI leaders. Yeah, that's insane. I, I saw that the other day and had to do a double take because that that almost never happens, even having the top two. No. I don't know if I've no, seen top not, two. Not even the Yankees and the Dodgers have the top three. Yeah. And number four tied. Yeah. And four infielders with Dansby, if Dansby had three more home runs, you'd have the first infield in history with four guys with 30 homers. As it is, you have the second infield with 25 or more each. And three of those guys have over 30. Yeah. Yeah. I, then you got your RBI leader in the outfield, Duvall. You got Solaire, who led the American League in home runs a couple years ago, and who's in, back in that kind of form right now. Well, I, I think mean, that's big, too, in the, in the postseason, having the, the power threat, because you're going to face yeah. that, that elite pitching, right? And it's, you know, sometimes those are the hardest guys to string together, you know, two, three singles, work at bats and everything like that. Yeah. Sometimes those games get decided. And, I, you know, I don't like admitting that because I like old school baseball, but a lot of these games get excited by one bad pitch or, or yeah. you know, one good swing from the guy in the seven hole. It's not always the, the meat of the order that uh, does that damage. It's It could be Dansby or somebody, but having an th- offensive power threat one through eight, I and mean, that's yeah. huge for this team. Yeah, Britt uh, did a real good story on uh, one question mark for each team. And I talked to her about it, and she wanted to go with the power for the Braves. And so she her, th- her question was, can they maintain the power through the postseason oh. when the pitching gets better? But I would turn that around like you just said is, I think it's a whole lot harder to have an offense that relies on stringing, on play and fundamental baseball and stringing together hits. Because against the pitching you're going to face in a postseason, you're not going to string together two or three hits in an inning yeah. more, very often. And to have to have like eight guys capable of hitting a mistake pitch and hitting it out at any time, yeah, I like my chances with that lineup. Yeah, and there's not a lot of you know aces or, or number two starters anymore in the game that aren't strikeout guys, and that's yeah. what that's what makes it tough to to string together an inning. You know, if you get a leadoff single and you got a ground ball pitcher or something like that, you could chop one to third base and get the runner to second. You know, just just little stuff like that can move runners along. But those strikeouts kill rallies, and it yeah. it's almost like you know it's it's a threat to have a runner in scoring position at first for those aces and and really good pitchers and strikeout guys more than it is 
you know, like a Derek Lowe or somebody that's that's going to pitch to contact. Those are the guys you can kind of string together two, three singles against. But these right. power guys, like you face Garrett Cole, leadoff single, he's probably going to strike out two that inning, you know. So yeah, the leadoff single is not as big of a threat. So it'll be interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, before because they don't open until Friday. and We're going to do another show before that. We'll really focus on the Braves and uh, Brewers matchup. I, I'm excited about these wild card games specifically. I'm I, not so much the Yankees, Red Sox, you know, because that's kind of boring and stale. Yeah, I think same. at this point, but but this uh, NL wild card game, I mean, it is. If you told the if you were said you're going to win a hundred, what the what they win 106 games? Yeah, too many. And have to play a wild card game. I mean, that is insane, man. Uh, that was what the wild card was supposed to. Well, thank God they have the wild card because the, otherwise they would be not in the in the old way of you know the old until it was you know before the wild card the Dodgers would be going home after winning 106 games. I looked that so, up. There's it's it's happened you know before obviously before they had the wild card, but there was teams well, that were winning 105 games and going home when the Giants and Braves had the last great postseason run, and mm-hmm. the Giants won 103 and went home when the Braves won on the last day of the season. Yeah. That's crazy. It's nice. This to, time it would have been even. This time it would have been 106, and they would have gone home with that team the Dodgers have. So, thankfully, you have the wild card, but they're going to have to win it, and it ain't going to be. It's not a pushover with Wainwright because that guy's pitching great, and he's been there so many times. And with him and Yachty, 40 and 39, ages 40 and 39, in a battery against the Dodgers. Having Yachty back there is so huge because he can read hitters. I was watching the the Mariners games. They were trying to make it in and and trying to get that yeah, one of almost those. did. They almost did. And uh I was watching the game and you know who was back behind the plate against them the, the second to last game was uh Kurt Suzuki. And he yeah. he just called like I could they were just guessing the whole game. He called such a great game. And you know, you just don't think about that against young teams or or teams that are really tough, how much of an impact a catcher really being locked in and reading those hitters and, and being yeah. able to veer off that, you know, kind of set game plan. Yeah. But Kurt, I mean, he called nothing but breaking balls the first four or five innings. And then when the relievers started coming in and these guys were looking for what they'd been gotten out with, you know, their first mm-hmm. one or two at bats, he yeah. was just pounding them in with heaters and and sticking with heaters. And you could tell they were fouling off pitches they should hit. But I think that, you know, Yachty is a guy that I could see doing that against the Dodgers because they have an approach and stick to it. But he could read whether they're sitting breaking ball or looking for certain pitches from Wainwright because his curveball is a neutralizer. But, yeah, I could see him. Those two guys and the Cardinals in general are the one team, I think, in the wild card that would scare yeah. me against the Dodgers. I mean, it's going Scherzer against him, it's going to be a great game. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned Suzuki because if you look at analytics, Suzuki does not grade out at all well at this point of his career. He's always near the bottom at this point of his career. But what you described is so much more important in a game like that than how he grades analytically. Yeah. I mean, what he does calling a game, which there is, we talked about this before, there is no way to measure that analytically. No. Calling a game. You know, uh, when we had uh, Simon on here and he was talking about how they have a guide, you know, to, to, to kind of, uh, that can note or check when certain plays are made and positioning and all that to give a guy credit for that. But there is no way to give a guy credit for calling a great game at this point. Not that I know, not, not that I'm aware of. No, and a lot of uh, them are like, you know, catcher's ERA and stuff. But if you're the backup guy and you wind up getting the fifth starter every time, exactly, you know, it, you might, the fifth starter might just be not very, very good misleading so he yeah. gives up five and then you get the back end of the bullpen you know you, you don't get the front guys and mm-hmm. even if he has those guys outperform what they're supposed to do but the starter gave up five you know his yeah. catcher's era for the game is five but if you just isolated it by the relievers or, or one pitcher a piece you could kind of start dividing that but i just i think it's something that i don't know if they'll ever be able to to really quantify a, that yeah I don't, I don't think yeah. so but i think it's huge Ken was noting Ken Rosenthal in the athletic in our in our athletic was noting that uh, there have been the Giants are the seventeenth team since nineteen hundred to win at least one hundred and seven games, and the eight that accomplished the feat before nineteen sixty nine when division play began went straight to the World Series because that's all you had to do back then. 
there were all these rounds. Yeah. And then so did four between 1969 and 93. Only had to win an LCS to reach a World Series. Much easier than it is now. Of the four, like the Giants, that had to win three playoff rounds to become champions, the four teams that have won 107 or more. The 98 Yankees won 114 games in the regular season. 2018 Red Sox won 108. Both of those teams won a World Series. The 01 Mariners, the infamous 01 Mariners, set the record with 116 wins and didn't make it to the World Series. Astros in 2019, 107 games, didn't make it to the World Series. Uh, The Mariners lost to the Yankees in 4-1 in the ALCS. I mean, man, looking back at that, it's still astonishing. They won 116 games in that. I mean, they had a that they lineup a was so damn loaded. Yeah, quite the home field advantage there too at the Kingdom. Well, I think that was that the first year at Safeco Field, or was it the Kingdom? Oh, I thought wrong. they were still at the Kingdom. I think it was. I think of, maybe it was. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, either way, I mean, it's. But that's yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I think that's the best thing for the Braves, though, because I look at the Dodgers. They got to get through the wild card game, and then they yeah. got to get through the Giants. So if you're if you're the Braves and can get past Milwaukee, the Dodgers for me are the scariest team. Yeah, for whatever I mean, they got Scherzer, they got that lineup, they've been there, they've done it. Um, the Giants, I thought the Braves matched up pretty well with. I know they're a good team, but it, they didn't seem to. And they don't scare me as much as the Dodgers. And, you know, you got to get past Milwaukee first. But I just think it could be good if one of those two teams knocks the Dodgers out and you kind of get a team that hasn't beat you a couple years in a row. Yeah. 1999, I just looked it up. You're right. I didn't think Safeco was that old. All these places that I don't think are that old, they are. Because you're old. <laughs> and I'm old. Wait a minute now. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but yeah, the uh, but I think of those same guys played on the team when they were still at the Kingdom because that place was yeah. a Den. It was so loud. Oh, it was man. so the loud. The noise was a den. Um, so you got uh I agree on the Dodgers. Uh as much as the Braves, I'm sure their fans would like redemption or all that. If you can avoid facing them with that pitching squad, you do. You, you want to avoid facing yeah. them. I do think Max Muncy's injury, if because he's not gonna play in a wild card game for sure. And it looked more serious to me than something he's just gonna miss a couple of days. What do you do? I still haven't heard. He did the Cliff Floyd injury. It wasn't nearly like Cliff Floyd's, where Cliff just blew up every game in his or every bone in his uh, wrist and hand when he got ran by Todd Hundley at first base making that play. But we've talked about that play. You see it made. Freddie's made it several times this year. Yeah. Where you just kind of you cringe when he does it. When a guy leads the, the throw leads the, the first baseman into the runner, he has to reach, and you have to make that decision: Do I reach and try to grab this for fear of the runner running into my yeah. hand and the glove at the same time, or do I just let it go? And he caught it, ran into him. But fortunately, he was starting to spin as he made the catch. So he didn't take the direct, like Cliff said. Cliff was describing his. They showed it again on MLB Network. And Cliff was actually able to watch it and describe it. Cliff, with the Expos at the time, kind of lunged and caught the ball just as and his hand went right into the runner in Hundley. Yeah. And it, like it, every bone in literally fractured in his wrist and his, and his hand there. They had all kinds of surgeries and all this. But Matt Muncy, immediately, you know, you they haven't said what the x-ray showed. But, uh, I mean, it looked worse than a soft tissue thing, but we'll see. Um, but uh, if he's out, if he misses any time, that's a big blow. I mean, he's a big part of that lineup. I know they got a lot of depth, but he's a big part of it. Even if he's available, you know, just your wrist, you wouldn't think it's a big deal. But right. for a hitter, man, that's everything. That's all the feel, you know, being able to manipulate the bat. Even if he's not, you know, out, he might not be the same. I mean, you saw what an elbow did to Freddie last year. Those those little things can really yeah. just change your swing. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. It's crazy how many teams have had a major injury in this week leading up to the to the playoff round. It's almost almost every team knock on wood, except for the Braves and a couple of others, but like five teams had a major injury leading up to this thing with the giants, Brandon belt, broken thumb. He's out. 
that's a huge blow to them. I mean, he and Crawford have been their biggest guys this year. You know, and Belt was was at its hottest too. I mean, he was really hitting yeah. this month. He was he would have been player of the month if he'd have kept going what he was doing. His twenty. I was looking at the stats yesterday or two days ago when I was voting for player of the month, and his numbers. I didn't realize how good they were for twenty two games before he got hurt. So that's a big blow for them. They don't have the kind of depth that the Dodgers do. They have a lot of versatile players that can move around, but they don't have an impact guy like him to replace him with. So. That's a big one for them. Um, for the Giants, Kevin Gossman pitched a lot better in his last couple of starts. That's huge because he had really not had a good second half compared. I mean, first half, he was unbelievable. Yeah. He was, if you split the Cy Young in first half and second half, Kevin Gossman would have won first half. Max Free would have won the second half, hands down. Yeah. But Gossman has pitched better because his ERA was well over, was close to five for most of the second half, but he pitched a lot better in the last couple of games. So it'll be interesting to see in a series what they can do with that uh, with that uh, pitching staff because Logan Webb, he hasn't lost in 20 starts, man. Yeah. That, that dude's dealing against the Braves. He's tough. He's got a, he's got a tough angle to him. I watched him. I was yeah. pretty impressed. Yeah, he's a big old hoss too, man. He can bring it. I think the, the best thing about the wild card game, though, is either – the National League one is either the Dodgers get knocked out or you get a, a Giants-Dodgers first yeah. round, which, I mean. I'm torn, man. I love Wayno. I'd love to see the car. I'd love to see Wayno win and 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 uh, and them advance, you know, and beat the Dodgers, knock the Dodgers out. But, man, part of me wants to see the Dodgers and the Giants because that series yeah. will be all-timer, man, I think. I mean, that, that has the makings of being just an unbelievable – <laughs> and yeah. it wouldn't even be the LCS. No, it, I don't. Divi- you barely it might be ever the get that division series ever. You barely ever get that like an inner division series in the first round. It seems like, but no, it has to be a scenario like this one. Yep, and that is it's going to be. I'm going to lock in and watch that series. I'm not missing a game. That'll be phenomenal, man. That will be phenomenal. And if you're the if you're the team in the Braves uh, Brewers series that advances, you got to love the fact that those guys are going to have to. Throw. They're probably going to play five games. They're going to leave it all on the field to yep. try to win that series, and their starters are going to be going as deep as they can. If you're if you're the Braves and the Brewers, whoever wins that division series has got to you got to like what's going to go on on the other side of the bracket because those teams are going to have to fight and claw to get out of that. Yeah. Uh, and the Brewers, we'll, we'll talk about this again before uh, before Friday, but losing Devin Williams is huge for them, man. Huge. I mean that. I mean, he's not Josh Hader, but he's second to Josh Hader, and he's the guy that gets the ball from their starters to Josh Hader because they got great starters, and they got Josh Hader. What it's going to force them to do is use Josh Hader for two innings, and you can do yep. that. He's great, but you can't do it every game. You could do it if they, it lines up with an off day or something, and you know he's already back to back games. Two innings is tough, isn't it for him? Oh yeah, back yeah. to back. But you know, in the playoffs, it's it's weird how I mean, there's so much more adrenaline you can get through those yeah, games and get up it. for them. Um, and you're also, you know, it's it's harder in the middle of the season to do that type of stuff because you know how many months are left and everything. Right. It, it's easy to just leave it all in the tank when you might be going home, and and it's it's like this is it. So it's easier to get up and and get that done, but. I mean, I, I just look at it like I, I I know starting pitching is good in the postseason, but I think a lockdown bullpen, you know, like what the Royals have when they were winning, that is so freaking important because you just shorten the game. If you get through the six when you were playing the Royals, you knew you had Herrera, Davis, yep. and and uh, Holland coming in and very little chance to score, and that puts so much more pressure on the offense of the other team to, to get yep. something done and score quick. So I think losing Devin Williams is – it's not quite as big as losing a starter, you know, one of your one of your big guys, but that's going to put them in a tough spot. I mean, it, I don't I don't think you can overstate how much of a loss that is because being able to get to the seventh and then, then throw those two guys at them, it puts pressure on the other team's bullpen. They know you're not giving it up. It's yep. just, I mean, it's a game changer for me. And look how the game has changed in the last five years in postseason play. Nobody, hardly anybody no. is going seven, eight, nine innings with starters. No. Most, you could take out some of the best starters are leaving after, Charlie Morton left after five. Some of the best starters are leaving after five, six innings because teams want to get their best, their bullpen, change the look, bringing these guys throwing 98 to 100, you know, some of them with a trick pitch. And, and 
that's not the way the game's going where uh, you, you can use one reliever. Look at the last three or four teams that have won the World Series, how good their bullpens were. You yeah. mentioned the Royals. Look at the Rays. Yeah. Look at the Dodgers. Yeah. Look at the Red Sox. I mean, these were some great bullpens that had like four guys. Yeah. And it's and, with Hader and Williams, you could cover three innings. Yeah. You know, you could throw Williams, have him clean up the seventh, finish out the eighth, or have him clean up the sixth, finish the seventh, getting out in the eighth. And then bring yep. Hader in for one and two thirds, and they both only go one and two thirds. When you lose him, you're forced yep. to push Hader to two, but you still don't have anybody lights out to clean up the seventh. Yeah, I mean they might have to end up using like their number three starter for uh, in the bullpen the first couple of games, that kind of thing to piece it together. It'd be interesting. I mean, if, Craig, if anybody can do it, Craig Council can do it. Yep. He's a great manager, but uh, that's a big blow for them. Uh, and the Dodgers, like we said, they they not not only lost Muncie but Kershaw. I mean, that's yeah. I know Kershaw's not Kershaw that he used to be, but you still, you did not want to face him in a postseason game unless you were the Cardinals, you know, against everybody else. He's pretty much been good. Yeah. He got over that kind of playoff hump, you know, when they won it, but he doesn't look like he's coming back just the way, I mean, he carried the ball off the field like it was his last game or something, but I think he, he knew something, something serious was going on in his elbow. It's that same thing too. You know, he's had that that whole forearm thing that just keeps coming back. Yeah. He's probably um, one of those guys with a, a tear in there that they know about, and he's just pushing off the surgery. It gets to a point where so, you can't. Yeah, you just can't keep doing it. Um, Man, when you look at the trade now the Dodgers made, and everybody asked at the time, you know, did they really need to do those when they traded for Trey Turner and Max? So if you can afford it, why wouldn't oh, you yeah. take those two? And now it's like crucial. Those yeah. guys are going to be crucial for them if they, got, if they have a chance. Uh, but they got, you know, they had hoped to move. There's they got there's so there's so much ridiculous depth that they were talking about using Urias in the bullpen. Twenty game winner. Yeah. Twenty game winner. But he was huge for them in the postseason last year out of the pen. Yep. His, yes, he was. So, and also, you don't have the if you're an opponent. You can't look at that bullpen and go, yeah, Kenley Jansen ain't all that because he finished strong, yeah. dude. He's 16 for 16 his last 16 save opportunities. Yeah. 0-6-5 ERA in his last 27 games because he was lost earlier in the year. He was blowing back-to-back saves. So whatever he needed to figure out, he did. So, And uh, Blake Trinan. Blake Trinan's the only guy with more holds this year than our man Luke Jackson. Is he really? That. Yep. I'd love to pitch with his stuff. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. He's got 98 with a sinker that should be, you know, Kyle Hendricks should get that much movement, but Trinan shouldn't at 98. And he could Yeah. I don't know though. I mean, that ball Riley hit off him last year is one of the best swings I've ever seen. Guys yeah. can get to him, but yeah. I, I swear, man. You look at some of the pitchers Austin hit home runs off this year. Yeah. That dude can hit anybody. Yeah. That swing of his, that, that bat speed he's got, and that, now that selection, that uh, his ability now to recognize pitches. Yeah, I'm like, how did that happen so quickly for him? Because it is night and day how he picks up pitches now and is able to lay off, spit on pitches that he would flail at well, two he, years ago, a year ago. Yeah, he's passed the league adjusting to you window. You know, when he came yep. up, he yep. was hitting everything in sight. The league adjusted to him. He got past that. He adjusted back. So he's shown he can do that. That's why I feel good about him long term because he's already gone through that where the league has shown what they're going to try to do to him. And he's yeah. smart enough and, and he's got a good enough swing. He adjusted back. And now now he gets to play cat and mouse. You know, there's no game plan for him. You have to, he's one of those guys you got to make a wear inside. You got to throw your slider for strikes. You got to bury it. Like you have to chase him around the plate. You can't just spam, you know, just one one slider or one pitch. So he's gotten out of that. For me, it's like a safety zone when you adjust back to the league. Uh-huh. And then, you know, he continued that success because he struggled a little early, but he continued that success through the season. Everybody's seen him. Everybody knows what they want to do, and he's still raking is, is such a good sign. First 15 games, he didn't have an extra base hit or an RBI, but once he caught fire, he really hasn't had a, a, a slump of more than about a week, yeah. which is the big that's difference normal. between him and the past. Yeah. Yeah. That's normal. Freddie has those. Everybody does. I mean, he's taking this thing to the wire. He's like that last series, he was still raking. So just, uh, you can't, you can't even overstate how much improvement this guy has made in a short span. I talked to Wash about that, that, that Wash had some great quotes in that Q and a I did with him about talking about Riley 
you know, he's always been one of his biggest proponents. He said he thinks he can be a gold glover and he thinks that what they've done, what he's done offensively, they always knew he had that in him that he could slug like that, but nobody in the organization thought it would come this quickly. Right. And he's there. So, but they thought he had it in him. They just thought it was going to take a while, but let's, there, there aren't going to be any more questions about the long-term answer at third base for the Braves. No, he would have to. He would have to hit two twenty with seven homers for a se- full season to to have yeah. any doubt. You know, I mean, a down year for him now is going to be two eighty with twenty. Yeah, that must be nice. Looking at being able to look at next year and know that your infield is entirely set. Your right field set with Acuna. Yep. You know, catching set with Darno. You got catchings coming up. You know, so you're set with the future with catching, and then you got Max Freed and Charlie coming back at one two in, in the rotation. The only thing you can I mean, mess up is not bringing Freddie back. Well, that's the only thing you mess up, but I think they're going to take care of that. That would yeah. be a big mess up. Yeah. That would be a big mess up. I, I, yeah. I shouldn't just take for granted when I say the whole infield's back because he's not back yet. And they still – some aren't as certain as I am that it's going to get done, but I am. I, I still believe that they could not – as much as many great moves as Alex has made this year, I can't believe he would piss it all away by not making that move because yeah. that would be a bad mistake. And I think they'll get Duvall signed to a, a multi-year, probably a two-year deal too. And that's huge because that would take care of left field. Then all you got to look at is do who, who do we bring back among like Soler, Rosario. You know, I think you try to bring Rosario back because he is the perfect guy yeah. with the DH coming in. Yeah. If he doesn't, if the DH for some reason doesn't get uh, added to this new C, CBA, CBA, then you play him in the outfield. But, in, you know. He's a perfect DH, that guy. Solaire? Yeah, and yeah. part-time outfielder. Yeah. You know, whatever you need to do. You could you could hit Duvall. You could and you could rest Duvall sometimes by having him DH. You know, this year when you needed to rest him a couple of days, yeah, you know, just have him hit. thing. You, yeah. Then you could play him in center if you need to. And and rest him and have him hit. How much has so. the game changed where you're talking about the league leader in RBIs taking a two year deal? I know. You know? Yeah. Well, if he wasn't 33 or whatever, if he was 26, 27, it wouldn't. Yeah. But even at 33, I feel like if you led the league in RBIs, you wouldn't have yet. 15 years ago. Oh my God. Three or four years. years. Yeah. Yeah. He got a five. He could get a five year deal. Yeah. Look at the deal Goldsmith got uh, just a couple of years ago. Yep. He was 31. So, but I mean, he's Goldsmith, but still, yeah, he led the league in RBIs. Yeah. By and by, by more than a couple too. Yeah, I think he, he raked. What third? How many? Thirty? How many homers he ended up with? Thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. And they only played one hundred sixty-one games. He might have had a couple more. One of them didn't uh, count. <laughs> he hit thirty-nine. That's right, got- man. That's right. I, it's I almost I'm almost glad he he ended up with thirty-eight, not thirty-nine, because that would have sucked. Yeah, if that was the homer that that uh, caused him to not get forty. Yeah. Um. Speaking of this wild card. Tonight, Yankees, Red Sox. How about the matchup here? Nathan Evaldi, right? His first five starts against the Yankees this year, he had a 2.01 ERA. But then he gave up seven earned runs and two and two-thirds innings against them when he faced them September 24th, last two weeks ago at Fenway. On the other side, Garrett Cole had a 6.15 ERA in his final five regular season starts. Yeah, I was watching a breakdown of him. They were saying he had um, pulled a hamstring or had some hamstring. Strained a hamstring, him. came out. Yeah, five, uh, the, 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 the game that started that run, he, put, he left the game against Toronto uh, with hamstring tightness, and he hasn't pitched the same since then. Yeah, and that's what, you know, that's kind of goes back to what I was talking about with Muncie or, or, or hitters not being able to manipulate the bat as much. When you got something you're subconsciously favoring, you you know, you just you find a way to not feel that or or, or trigger that, you know, reaction in that muscle. And you do something that's just a tiny bit different, you know, and you feel like, you know, it's not hurt and I shouldn't struggle. But I thought that was a lot of what was going on with Freddie in the postseason last year. You know, his swing was just a little different because you can't help yeah. but subconsciously guard something that's been bothering you. And all of a sudden, that little change. I mean, that's why baseball's so hard. That little change. They were showing Garrett Cole, and it was, you know, they were saying he was flying open more, you know, trying to stay out of that front hamstring. And it's like they showed two side by side videos, and you could, 
99.9% of the population could watch those two videos they put up for three hours and they wouldn't be able to spot the difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but that, no that little difference, you know, is possibly showing the ball for an extra, you know, eighth of a second and the hitters are able to react. You know, that's what's so tough to analyze and, and dissect baseball because these little tiny changes make a drastic difference. But if he's, if he's really guarding it and showing the ball earlier, I mean, it's going to be tough to, tough to pitch like that. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. The uh, series I'm looking forward to uh, is the White Sox against the Astros. I mean, you got Tony Larusa against my man Dusty Baker. Yeah, 77-year-old Tony Larusa, 72-year-old Dusty Baker, and. Two exciting teams. I mean, the White Sox have so much talent, but they're kind of hard to figure out, man. I mean, it's like, it's almost like they played the last couple of months. Like, ah, we got this thing wrapped up. And it's like, but they got, they got, they're explosive when they, when they are on, man, they can really score with anybody. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they got enough pitching to do it or not, you know, go deep, but uh, that's going to be a good matchup. Um, And, what that matchup reminds me of, because I'm seeing, you know, these, there's been a couple of uh, managerial openings in the last few days. Padres, Mets. Two pretty good uh, jobs. Obviously, the Padres is a great job. I mean, who wouldn't want that one? But uh, the Mets, you could look at that as an opportunity, too. With a new owner, you're going to get a big salary. you got a guy promising payroll for future years. I mean, there's a lot of people that would jump at that. And a couple of the names being bandied about – uh, Showalter, Melvin, because both of those teams had first-year guys and they kind of fell on their face, our yeah. first-time managers who fell on their face. And the thinking being, the conventional thinking being that those teams might want to switch it up and go with an experienced guy. I know the whole trend today is to get a young guy or a guy that the front office and the analytics guys can kind of manipulate or have yep. do what they want done, which flies in the face of having a, a an experienced guy. But these are two teams that, did not succeed with the experienced guys. And they both got kind of young players and big personalities that might benefit from having a guy that's been around the block or whatever. So you see the names like Showalter, Bob Melvin pop up, but you also see a name pop up that kind of scares me for the Braves sake, because I, as much as you want to see Ron Washington get another chance for selfish reasons, I don't want the guy to go anywhere because I love talking to the guy and for the Braves sake, it would be a huge blow to lose this guy. You're not going to replace Ron Washington, what he gives this team, what he gives guys like Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson, all of them. Freddie Freeman talks about what he's done, what he's done for Austin Raleigh defensively, what he brings to the team, not just his defensive drills, which are nobody's going to be working out there every single day before batting practice, doing one-on-one drills with every infielder like Wash does nobody, but what he brings to the team, the energy, the enthusiasm, the confidence, the swagger, the personality. It's going to be hard to replace if you lose him. I'm hoping, for selfish reasons again, that him being 69 might persuade some of these teams not to hire him. But I look at Dusty at 72 and the success he's had with the Astros. And, you know, if the if the Padres are smart, they would hire him and say, you know, he's the best thing that could ever happen to Tatis. The best yeah. thing that could happen to Tatis, I think, would be Ron Washington. But I hope they don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Mets, too. You know, if there's anybody that can go handle that market and that pressure and keep things cool, it's Ron yeah. Washington. I hope neither one of them value it because, it, you know, he, he's invaluable to the Braves. You can't put a, a value on, you know, the, the day in, day out, just being around a, a, a baseball lifer like Ron Washington, how they know how to get through the ups and downs of a season, show up, be the same guy every day. I mean, I think he's in the perfect role here, and I don't know if he's necessarily a spotlight type of guy that would want to, that would need it to be happy or need to be managing. He might want to, he might want to manage to prove he can do it, you know, to himself. But the role he's in with the Braves is so perfect because you get to be around a guy like that that brings it. You know, when you're when you're 26 and you're tired today and you show up to the field at 1:30 and there's Wash. Yeah, he's old, man. You know, he's not feeling good, and he's doing his. He, he does this little like sit up and back program every day same time you see him doing it grinding same yep. positive attitude coming to the coming to the yard to work and then he's yelling at the infielders it's time to go out and work when you're around somebody that shows up to work every day and is that consistent you know it just rubs off on you in a way where you're going to hold yourself more accountable too 
So. Yeah, I did a story, a Q&A with him, an interview with him this week. I, I just went out to talk to him, and he was sitting on. The, the players had gone. It was the day after they clinched, and I went out there to talk to uh, Charlie for a story I did for Char- on Charlie that's coming out uh, Thursday. And I didn't get Charlie before. The, I didn't realize the players were going to have a 5 o'clock shares meeting where they talked about playoff shares and all that. Those are fun. And that went long, man. And so I'm standing out there going, oh, there's waste coming out here today. But uh, Wash was sitting on the field because he just finished with the infielders. So I went up to Wash while he's sitting there. He just just finished with Ozzy. They'd gone in there. And I turn on the recorder and start talking to Wash about Austin Riley. 15, 20 minutes later, I'm like, holy shit, Wash was tremendous. Uh, this is going to be good. This would be a great interview just to run. I didn't want to interrupt it. I didn't want to water yeah. it down by even writing. Just Q&A with Wash. But – he said some things, man, that I'm just like, this guy is a treasure, man. He He's one of the few guys in today's world, and I don't want to say political correctness because that's overdone, but uh, uh, just, this, just everybody worries so much about what they say, who is going to offend and all that. Wash just... Uh, and and everybody knows it comes from a good spot, so they don't so they take it the right way. But Wash says exactly what he's thinking almost all the time, and he doesn't. You know, he's he's so comfortable in his station. He's done. You know, in, in life, he knows what he does. He knows yeah. that he doesn't worry about you know advancing or whatever. Doesn't or have time burning <laughs> burning this bridge or whatever. He just says what is on his mind. And I just thought he said some things that day that were like, "Good Lord, the the Braves are glad to ha- are, are lucky to have this guy." And I would say, make him the manager in waiting, but he's older than Snit is. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Snit. I don't know if Snit had plans on sticking around as long as Wash does, because I can see Wash doing this another 10 years. You know, yeah. I mean, but I don't know if there's a good answer other than give Wash managerial pay. You That's know? what, or, I mean, you know, I mean, if he, more, if he got offered more, a job more. somewhere, find out what they're going to pay him and say, yeah, I bet he'd want to stay with the group. He's got to have some attachment to the group. Oh, he does. You know? Oh, he loves these guys. And he been, loves Ozzy. He loves all of them. He's been working with them for, what, four or five years now? Yep. And they've come this far. You know, I think he'd want to see this thing through. Ozzy's like a son to him. Yeah. I mean, to see those guys play with each other, cuss at each other all day in a good man, in a, in a fun way, but they, they are nonstop. They're both their equal energy, just Duracell batteries. The two of them are yeah. just spark plugs. It's so funny to hear them up close with the, the shit they say to each other, man. But yeah, he's not a pitching coach or hitting coach. So, you know, you give him a, I don't know what, what you could pay him, but I just think he's an exception. And I think, uh, I think if you have to give him a little bit of a raise to keep him, I think you do it, man. I just don't think you lose this guy. Um, but I do know the Braves. Uh, Alex will give them permission to talk if, if teams want to talk to him because Alex is like that. If a guy's got a chance to be promoted, yeah, Alex is not going to deny him an interview at all. That's the worst when teams won't. I hate when teams do that because it's you know it's that. I mean, obviously they if they wouldn't let him do it, they'd know his value. But it's just such a nice gesture and makes a guy want to stay anyway. When you at least let him interview for some other jobs and see what's out there and see what he's worth. I'd let him and see what he's worth do. and pay him that. And most teams do. If the guy has a chance at at uh, advancement, most teams do not deny that yeah. uh, opportunity to interview with a guy. Um, Shouldn't even be a rule. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so a couple, just a couple of things that Wash said I thought were worth repeating here. For those who have not read the Q&A with him, I would, I would urge you just to read it. I think you'll really be entertained by what he said and feel good about the, your team and one of the guys that's uh, one of the main teachers of this team to hear some of the things he said. But I asked him about Austin. That What I, what I started with, the first question, I just wanted to talk about Austin Riley. Initially, I was going to do something on Austin, but then it became, I'm going to do something on Wash instead. But uh I asked him about how far Riley's come this year and part of what he said here, just part of it. He said, he's understanding what pitchers are trying to do to him. He's not chasing any, as many pitches. He's taking walks and his slugging percentage is just off the chart, which we knew one day he would slug. We just didn't expect it to happen this fast, but he's a special kid, man. He's very special. And in my opinion, he's going to be a stud. Um, I said, Austin, Austin had told me the big thing that he did differently this year was not panic when he would slump. Before, Austin said when he would slump, he'd panic and start changing things yep. and wondering how he could fix it. 
this year he realized he didn't need to do that. Just needed to stay with his plan. A lot of that's working with Mike Brumley. He's really his hitting coach with the roving or the minor league hitting coordinator. Brumley's Brumley's so attuned to his swing that he's convinced him that he doesn't need to come out of it and all that. Just get back to what they what they do best. So, but anyway, uh, when I mentioned that to uh, to Wash, he said that's maturity. He said that came out of his mouth, and that's the only way you can look at it: maturity. He said, but what he's doing, he's capable of. It just wasn't something that we expected to happen this fast, but he is capable of that. He really is. He said, and he's, and I said, and he's continued to do it all season. He didn't even like limp to the finish line, you know, in a first full season of majors in Washington. That just goes to show how quickly he matured. The game is about adjusting and readjusting. Yep. And just because you adjust one time doesn't mean that's the end all. You have to make another adjustment and another adjustment and another adjustment. He said adjustments are ongoing. It's continuous. And he's figured that out. When I first got here, they said he's the kind of kid that when you give him a second chance somewhere, that's when he shines, meaning the second year at a second at a level. He said, and last year was a 60 game season. He showed some stuff, but this is his first full big league season, yeah. Wash said. So here it is. Exactly what they said he was what is what he is, is what he's doing. This is this kid's MO. And I think he's that's what you're going to get as he continues to grow and continues to learn. And he doesn't know everything yet. He's still growing. He's still learning. So God, that's scary. I said, I know he's only 24. He said, yep, it's scary. Well, that's, that's one of the most important things to be able to do as a baseball player though, is to be able to analyze how you performed or executed regardless of results. Because yeah. you know, as a relief pitcher, you could come in and break three bats and blow the game. Uh-huh. Or, or you could come in and throw balls right down the middle and get three pop-ups and everybody thinks you're awesome. You're getting these high fives in the dugout. You know, you came in and you're lights out again. But what you have to be able to do is is recognize, like, all right, I flew open and threw the ball down the middle three times today. I remember an outing I had, and I faced Delgado, uh, Beltron, and David Wright in big situation and got out of it. And everybody was like, dude, that was so huge, you know, big balls and all this. And I was like, I threw the ball like shit today. And I yeah. knew it. And so that then I got to work and, you know, really smart players. You get to a point where you have that one and you skate by and you get away with it. Yeah. Now, you adjust now before it becomes a problem. And right. it's the same thing as when you're doing well and you pitch really well or you're hitting really well. Like Freddie was doing early on the season. He talked about that a lot. He stuck with his plan. Yeah. Guys will hit lasers, you know, and and they're not getting hits or, you know, maybe they strike out twice. But the other two at bats, they hit the ball really hard. You want to be hard on yourself because you're 0 for 4 and go fix it in the cage or, or watch video and, and make all these adjustments that don't need to be made. Um, so if you can analyze it regardless of results, and you have to be able to do that in baseball because it never lines up, um, that's a really smart thing on Austin's part to be able to do that and and not panic and start changing things. Because then when you start changing things, you're just stabbing in the dark. You know, you might have been locked yeah. in and it's like, well, maybe my hands need to be higher. And then you lose, you know, where you are, where you're good. And now you're just right, guessing right. and changing everything. And that's how guys get into huge slumps and funks and wind up back in AAA. Then I got to one of his favorite subjects, Ozzy. And I said, uh, I said, you could make a case offensively. You look at Ozzy's numbers. You could make a case for him defense uh, uh, for MVP too, but yeah. he's obviously not going to get it because the other guys on the team, but I mean, he's, his numbers are off the charts too. And he said, Ozzy still got a lot to learn offensively. If he wasn't so quick to try to hit every goddamn thing he sees, just think how special he would be offensively. And you look at his numbers, and he smiled. He goes, the littlest guy in the big leagues with the biggest heart and standing tallest, and he's the littlest guy in the big leagues. Yep. He loves He loves Ozzy. Yeah, he man. does. Loves some of him some Ozzy. I said, uh, he's still learning how to switch it too, right? And he said, he's still learning how to play, you know? Of all, he said, of all three of them, Dansby is the most mature. And I think that's because he's been in some programs in his baseball career that helped him gain maturity much faster. But his game is getting there too, Dansby's. I said, have you ever had an infield as good defensively at every position? I said, because he had some good ones in Oakland, obviously, some old gold glovers there. He said, I had some good ones in Oakland, but I never had one that young. He said, that matured that fast. He said, they, meaning the Braves infielders, they matured fast. You know, everybody can play defense. You can put a lot of people out there that can play defense. The key to playing defense is knowing how. Those three little kids, he calls them little kids, they're showing you how. 
They're showing you how. They know how. That's because they listen. They're open to suggestions. They're not afraid to try. And they show up every day with one purpose, to be the best they can be for each and every one of their teammates. And he was like, he goes, that's special. And they showed that this year. Yeah, don't lose that guy. I like that. I like what he's saying right there. He appreciates it. Um, and then I talked to, I asked him about Dansby because he went through some big slumps this year, big streak surges, like where he was the best shortstop, best hitting shortstop in the majors. And then he'd slump for a month where, yeah. you know, striking out every other bat. And I said, but he never let it affect his defense, did he? And he said, that's because they're separate. Watch it again. We talked about maturity. Those are separate when you defense and offense, when you don't get hits, you steal hits. And every day you wake up, you can steal hits Every day you wake up, you might not get a hit. Think about it. If the pitcher on the mound got his stuff that day, there ain't going to be no hitting. But if a ball <laughs> is put in play off a bat on that infield, you can make that play every day. And they've been able to separate. So they play defense. Every single day they play defense. Every single day they may not hit, but every single day they play defense. And defense is a huge part of baseball. So, so it keeps them engaged. When they can go out there and they can steal base hits from people and make plays, even though they're not hitting, they're still helping the team. And then when they get on the base path, they can run the bases, you know? They're going to be complete players. They already are complete players, but there's still some growth in there. They still haven't reached their peak yet. God, that's good shit. Just imagine hearing that every day, you know, just that mindset. Just pounded into you every single day. You take an 0 for 4 against Scherzer. And you got a coach that's proud of you because you stole a hit. You know, I mean, it, just being around people that could spin it that way and simplify, but it's Scherzer. You're not getting knocks today. Right. You know, go so make there a There ain't going to be no hitting. If yeah. the pitcher's got stuff, there ain't going to be no hitting today. Just that delivery <laughs> and making it so simple. And it's, you know, it makes it so much easier for a player not to be hard on himself in that situation. Let it go and come back and hit tomorrow, but always play defense. I, I just love that delivery right there. But you can still hits. He's right. Yeah. Regardless, you can still hits. Yep. You know, on your worst day offensively, you can still steal his defensively. And that's also why being on a team that's competing and has a good chemistry, good mindset, playing to win, it's so much easier to play to win than it is to be about yourself and your numbers. Because when you're you're about yourself and your numbers and you make a big play in the eighth inning, team wins or loses, you have guys sulking in the clubhouse because they went 0 for 4. When you're on that yeah. right unit, that right group that's high-fiving you and the whole team's letting you know what a great play you made in the eighth, you're walking out of the clubhouse head held high, even if you are 0 for 4 and you're coming back to hit tomorrow. You know, just those little things through a season. I know you can't measure them, but they're so important. Um, and I asked him about uh, I asked him about that when Dansby uh, did slump, you know, and it was when he was trying to pull the ball. Ozzy does the same thing sometimes. And he says, and this is what they all have to learn. When they start punching the ball out of the ballpark, they can't forget to take what the pitcher gives them. If they're just going to give you a fastball away, all you can do is hit that sucker to right field for a base hit. You have to recognize that. That's another part of their growth that's going to come into play. Take what they give you until you get what you want. But when you're young and you start punching the ball out of the ballpark, all of a sudden you become mighty. And he goes, you become, you know what I'm saying? You become mighty. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like Leo was talking about the yep, superpower. superpower. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that, those were the guys I hated pitching against. You know, that you'd think that you go in and you face Ryan Howard or some big slugger and you're supposed to be, you know, intimidated by that. But as a pitcher, I was always, I hated the guys that would take their single, like Marcakis. I didn't want Marcakis to come up in a big situation because if I threw him a fastball away to get ahead, he yeah. might just slap it to left. The guys that you felt like were only coming up there to do damage, you knew if you made your pitch, you might get a double play, strikeout, pop up, but you could get him out making your pitch. The guys that are willing to take their single, like Freddie's willing to take a single. You know, how many how many times he come up and just slap a ball to left because he knows they're not going to throw him anything? Yeah. And then he does his damage when they make a mistake. But just having the mindset of taking what the pitcher gives you just allows you to do so much more at the plate. Speaking of Freddie, uh, he said, uh, I asked Dan, I said, yeah, Dansby, uh, when he would get in a slump, or, or so in the last week or so, when he got out of his slump, he was hitting the ball to right center again, driving the ball to right center, which is what Chipper always tells him, him and Riley both, drive it to right center. And uh, Wash said, oh, yeah, now he's going back this way. He pointed right center. He said, and then he's catching some some balls to hit that way because he's back this way. He said, and he's going to learn to stay that way a lot longer. 
And so when he starts getting out of whack, it might last five or six at bats instead of lasting 15 at bats. See what I'm saying? It's maturity. And that's where they're getting, man. That's where they're getting. He said, Freddie is special in his own right. You can pull Freddie out of his bed with snow on the ground, (laughs) put somebody out there throwing, and Freddie can lay them out. But he's been through the same process that Ozzy and Dansby and Riley's going through. He's about three or four years ahead of them as far as experience, maybe five years as far as experience goes. And he's always been a natural. Yeah. I said, they're not natural. They had to work at it. I said, yeah, Freddie was born to hit, honey. He goes, yeah, they <laughs> had to work at it. And when Freddie is struggling and he's got to work, he knows how he knows how to go to work. And once he finds it, it lasts a long time. He said, it doesn't find it and have it for a week, then lose it for two weeks, then find it and have it for a week. No, when Freddie finds it, it lasts months. Yeah, <laughs> it does. I mean, you see it every time. And that's that's the biggest separator between, you know, a Hall of Famer and a guy that's up and down. It's just how quick they can nip those things in the bud when when a slump starts. You know, how quick can they adjust and get out of that? I just thought it was great. I mean, to, to let people know how great Freddie is. When you look at a guy that Riley's had an MVP season, what he's done off in 30, 30 whatever homers. And I mean, just hitting like crazy. Uh, Ozzy doing what he's doing offensively. And then and then dance me and then and watch this. They had to work at it. Yeah, Freddie's a natural riding a bike. <laughs> That's where he is above that. Yeah. Um, and and I said, but Freddie's still out there doing that defensive work with you one on one every day, even though first baseman doing what he's done MVP and all that, thirty some years old. And he said, "That's right." I said because he cares. He cares. He said he cares about catching that ball. He cares, man. He said, that's what's so beautiful about watching them play because they care. They care. That's it. You've got a lot of people that can play defense, but you ain't got many that know how. My four guys, they know how, dog. They know how. (laughs) (laughs) He was so, he was loving talking about him, man. But that's who he is every day. He's that passionate and, and, and he brings that attitude and energy every single day. I said that they've certainly been a huge part of this team's success. Talking about the infielders, he goes, oh, yeah. And they show up every day, man. That's with one thing in mind, being the best they can be for their teammates. And that's so tough to get 25 or 26 guys to all love each other, care about each other, do what has to be done to make each other successful, handle each other's problem. You got a problem, they take on part of it for you. That's less you've got to deal with. And the next thing you know, your problem is gone. He said, that's hard to get that. And in the past four years that I've been here, we've built that. And it doesn't matter who comes in. They fall in line with how we go about our business. And if you look on the field when we're working, we're getting after it. Just look at the other teams. He goes, I ain't saying they're not coming on the field working. But you don't see them getting after it like we get after it. Look at the outfield. They're getting after it. Look at the infield. They're getting after it. When the pitchers come out and do their thing, they're getting after it. We get after it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) man i feel like a broken record talking about how important that is but it it just you can't you can't fight that when there's the whole team doing it like that you know you just get on board he said that's he said the mets and phillies they had a chance to run away with it they stayed around and when they stayed around and we caught them from that point on all they seen was ass and elbows once (laughs) we got in first place we never looked back and you know why because that's where we were supposed to be. We didn't get there and all of a sudden started worrying about it. We got there and started focusing and knowing this is where we're supposed to be. Now we found our game. Let's keep it going. And that's what we did. Once we found it, we kept going, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you guys kind of with that 16-2 run kind of took on first place and you haven't, you haven't looked back since then. And he said, every time they got it down to a game and a half, what'd they, what'd they do? What did we do? We got pedigree. We've been there and done that. We was waiting to get where we belong. Once we got where we belonged, it was over. It was fucking over. A lot of people <laughs> didn't think it was, but we knew it was goddamn over because out we're, we are out where we're supposed to goddamn be. We're not looking at ass and elbows. They're supposed to be looking at ass and elbows. Once they did, they looked at it until we won. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Oh, that's so great. You can't fake love in baseball like he does. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, when they went on that road trip, the last one, you know, with San Francisco and San Diego, he goes, we know we're good enough to play with anybody. I mean, we played San Francisco and San Francisco didn't blow us up. San Francisco's got a damn good team, a damn good team. But guess what? Atlanta Braves got a, we have got a damn good team too. See what I'm saying? 
in the past 10 days, we're talking about, you know, the two teams they they swept. The Padres and the Phillies were both in contention until when they swept them. And he said, and we're doing it without Ronald Acuna and Ozuna. He said, if we would have had Ronald Acuna and Ozuna in our lineup all year, there wouldn't have been no question about who was the best in the East. Yeah. There wouldn't have. He said, there wouldn't have been no question. <laughs> God, he's great. Oh, man. I, w- I want you uh, to send me that recording, and I want to I want to put that him talking on in the background whenever I can't get myself to work out that day. Just listen just, to Wash talk for a minute. Just the last thing, uh, what I, I asked him, uh, I said, uh, he, he said, he was talking about, again, about Phillies and Mets, you know, when they had a chance to run away with it. He goes, nobody wanted it. And when we went to New York and we played that five-game series, when we won three out of five, he said, we should have won all five. We walked out of there saying, they're in first place. That fucking team is in first place. You know what I'm saying? We said, them son of a bitches can't play with us. You know what I mean? And we were hurting. There were some things that we could have done a little better. We didn't actually have the total personnel, but we stood tall with them. And they were in first place. And we walked out of there and said, nah, 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 nah. Uh-uh, bruh. We, got, we just got to get keep getting after it until shit comes together. And we kept getting after it. We never stopped our work ethic. We never stopped doing our business the way we went about our business. He said, we hear the noise in the background, but that's on the outside. The only shit that matters is what's on the inside. And what on, and on the inside, we knew we had a run in us. Long as we didn't allow people in front of us to get away from us, we knew we had a run in us. And when we found our run, once we found our run, we knew who we are and we know how we go like we and we go play like we who, we are who we are. He said, we lost a lot of games coming out of the bullpen. And he was right. A lot of games they were winning in the past. We talked yeah. about this. He said, we lost a lot of games we were winning in the past. A lot. Going into the seventh inning with a three or four run lead and losing. That didn't happen in the past. Going into the eighth inning with a two run lead and losing. That didn't happen. But we knew we had the personnel to make it happen. It was just a matter of when we were going to consistently together find our groove. And we found it. And once we found it, it's not going to get away from us. Now when we lose, we're gonna, you're going to have to beat us. Now when we lose, you have to beat us. Early in the year, we sort of gave it to y'all, but nobody wanted to run away in the East. And since nobody ran away, the people that should be in front of us, guess what? There are the people who should be in front, guess what? They got crowned. <laughs> <laughs> we well, should have been in front, and we never doubted that. But the thing about this game, you got to play. You can't talk about it if you go, if you don't walk the walk. Can't talk the talk if you don't walk the walk. And eventually, we started walking the walk. Finally, we got our act together. Our started pitchers started going deep into games. We started being able to use the proper people coming out of the bullpen on a nightly basis. And then all of a sudden, he said, the non-essential guys down there, when we started to use them, they started doing a little better job. And that's what it takes to be successful. And we finally got our right formula at the right time. It was so right. It we is. Talked about All that. of able it to is. Use those bullpen guys. All of that. I mean, properly use them. Everything there, spot on. I mean, I think. I mean, I don't. I don't have his delivery. You know, I mean, that was how I felt about the team all year. With, yeah, not only either. I was my, that was mimicking you know, it, but yeah, I can't mimic that guy. Yeah, and just the, it, the the way he says it, though. I mean, it's all true. It'd be it'd be crazy if he was managing and talking like that because those would be some post game interviews worth tuning into. Yeah, he's uh, he's. Uh, He's one of a kind. I mean, uh, people that have that have got to know him or, or talk to him, you you never forget it. You think, ah, oh, I see why why everybody loves playing for this guy. You know, he came and, into uh, Oakland when I was there. They hired him pretty much just to specifically work with Simeon, but he gave a speech the first day. He sold. He talked just like that about our team, about what we could do. The whole team was sold day one. It this is our guy, you know, like why we want yeah. wash as much as possible. I want to talk to him. I want to be around him. You know I mean? Just the way he delivered it. And it was all that type yeah. of stuff, but his way of saying it and the energy he says it with the whole yeah. team was sold and everybody just walked out. Like, you hear when he said this, you hear when he said that, yeah. holy shit, we got a winner. You know, like we got yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's a jewel, man. He's uh he's invaluable. So we'll see. I hope the Braves keep him. I hope for their sake to keep him, but I I want what's best for Wash, you know. So so torn in that way, but I just know what it means to this team, and uh, 
Brace should do what they what they if they need to do a little more to keep him. I think they should. I think he's that he's worth it for sure. You know, and God forbid anything happen to Snit. He doesn't manage as long as he want. You got a guy there that could step right in there, and you don't lose a you don't lose a thing. You know. So, all right, that's it. We'll talk again. Do another show previewing the uh, previewing the series before Friday's first pitch. But in the meantime, enjoy some playoff baseball, people. Got a couple of wild card games, and then the ALC uh, ALDSs will start on uh, Thursday, so you can watch two games there before the Braves actually play. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good postseason, I can tell. And it's going to be great having crowds again. Last year, the postseason was good postseason, but there were no crowds. It's going to be different with these huge crowds and these loud loud stadiums, man. L.A., San Francisco. Big, yeah. All of them. All places that are in this thing are loud places. Houston, Boston. Milwaukee with the roof. L.A., Milwaukee, all of them. Every one of them. Truist was getting pretty crazy toward that. Yeah, man. Truist can get loud, dude. So I'm 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 interested in seeing that chop when they do the uh when they do a pitching change late in a playoff game and they turn it's the lights out. Gonna be loud. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be loud. All right, 755 is real. We'll talk to y'all again. All right. Friday. See ya.